0: I'm Arielle.
1: And I'm Ricky. And together we make the Bravo Critics. This is the place where we discuss pop culture news and all things Bravo.
0: We'll also have interviews with some really cool people, including some of our favorite Bravo liberties. So grab a drink and hang with us. Everyone's a critic. Bravo Critics. Today we have an exciting guest for you. She's a therapist and a cult recovery specialist, a two-time Iron Man who notably ran across the state of New York in a freaking wedding dress, all to raise awareness for narcissistic abuse. Welcome, Vanessa Riser.
1: Thank you so much for being here with us today.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Tell, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. I mean, we know that you're attached to someone who is on the Real Housewives of New Jersey um, Mm -hmm. as a former um, fiance. But tell tell our listeners a little bit more about who Vanessa is.
2: Sure, so I am a licensed clinical social worker. I am licensed in New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, and Florida. I specialize in narcissistic abuse and cult recovery. Um, I am a mom. My son is gonna be 23 next week. Um, I had him when I was seven. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm a two-time Iron man I ran across the state in a wedding dress to raise awareness for narcissistic abuse. Um and I do watch some of the Bravo shows. So I have, you know, some understanding of some of the players. I always have. Um and so I understand, you know, the funny kind of world that a lot of Um, bloggers and, you know, podcasters are involved in a lot of the comments, just get me to stitches. There's a lot of really funny, smart people. There are a lot of people that are really not that smart watching some of these shows. Also, it's a little like, okay. Um, But there's a lot of really clever folk out there. So I appreciate um, you guys. Oh well thank you.
0: Thank you. I, I hope that we're the clever we're some of the clever folks. So. <laughs> um so I've got to know you just recently, but um I know you said that you've been a Bravo fan for quite some time. So outside of New Jersey, you know,
2: what other Bravo shows do you normally watch? It's been more New Jersey lately, obviously. Um, you know, we do the weekly Zoom with a bunch of us. Um, but you know, That's I, right. I, I awesome. guess I've kind of unhanded some of the other ones as of late. But in the past, there was some attention that I would pay to Atlanta, Beverly Hills, um, curious about Dubai, you know, there's certain things that I kind of went in and out of for a while. And then I, you know, I got very busy working. So I have a very, very busy practice. So I'm sort of not really in front of the television that much anymore. So it's kind of been a while. New Jersey is also right where I live. So it's kind of like, you know, I know people who know people, everybody sort of is in the same area. So I'm familiar with some of the players. Um, New York hasn't really been that lively. So I guess it, that would have been a, a second. Um, but New Jersey has been very lively.
1: That's <laughs> <guess>. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> there's
2: there's no
0: there's no lie there. Um, so question when you're watching, because I know that, you know, you specialize in narcissistic abuse, but you have a long career career. Um, you know, not only a narcissistic abuse, five years, right? Five or six years you've been doing that, but you've had a long career. And um, do you, do you find yourself, are you able to check out when you watch these shows or are you like analyzing and, and kind of like, you know,
2: dissecting, or can you be like, turn it off and let me enjoy my wine and like, watch this? I'm always assessing everything. I think it becomes part of your fiber, but also when I went to USC, I studied community organizing. So I have a very macro lens, right? So it's not just the clinical experience for me. I'm kind of looking at social systems. I'm looking at, you know, systemic racism. I'm watching all kinds of, I wish I weren't smart. Sometimes I'm like, you know what? It would just be so nice to just not, you know, I want to just sometimes be like ignorant to this stuff. It, It feels very heavy specifically lately with a lot of issues going on with women and in Texas and, So I feel uh, like kind of burdened by, you know, this kind of knowledge. So I'm I'm always kind of like assessing things, I guess, you know, small and big. I don't know. It's a it's a bittersweet
0: kind of (laughs) double edged sword there. You're like, I'm overstimulated, but I can't (laughs) stop watching. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's so funny. Um, Okay, so when you lay down at night, I know you say you're really busy with work, but when you're laying down at night to like hang out and get ready, are you turning on friends? What are you turning on the television at night?
2: I'm usually watching like some um, Netflix series on psychopathy because I specialize in, you know, extricating people from cults. So I'm fascinated by psychopaths, sociopaths and narcissists. Um, And I'm very interested in even the nuances. Like, why do I have clients who their sociopath is taking a video of themselves shirtless with, you know, sunglasses on, screaming at her in the kitchen. And I'm like, why are you wearing fucking sunglasses in the kitchen? Like, And it seems to be a theme, you know? And so I'm always, like, picking up on why the sociopath spits on people or why they headbutt or, like, you know, it, there's all kinds of, like, interesting little nuanced things that you sort of get when you sit in my seat and you sit across from people who are expressing all of these sort of behaviors. So I just find this stuff kind of fascinating at this point.
0: Are you, like, taking notes or are you just, like, engrossed by this?
2: Um, I'm taking a lot of mental notes. (laughs) A lot of mental notes.
0: (laughs) Um, Have you been following the Johnny Depp and the Amber Heard case? A little bit.
2: Um, I find it particularly disturbing because I don't know what happens behind closed doors. And so I try to reserve judgment. I don't love the Johnny Depp fanatical following without really understanding so that feels uh, a little bullyish to me while I don't know what happened I don't feel like I should be just rah-rahrah rah, rah rahing for either one of them yeah yeah I,
1: I, I feel like both of them are sort of they seem to be toxic in their own way and there are two people that should have probably never even met yeah
0: <laughs> yes. I, I can tell bad. you I would not want my daughter my daughter hanging out with him you know I'm not saying he's a bad guy but I don't want her I wouldn't want her dating a guy like him marrying a guy like him you know any of that so it's definitely again kind of one of those things where i can't i can't turn away i've been kind of watching it and i was very late to the game but apparently everybody in america has been watching this so i was curious if what your thoughts were on it but i could see how that would be heavy for you
2: i don't like when he said he was going to have sex with her dead corpse (gasps) um i thought that was um particularly frightening Mm -hmm. so I think that it's one thing for you to say like I wish my ex would die. Like every like it's not like, you know, I remember one time my brother told me he wanted to take his ex-girlfriend's head and put it on the top of the Christmas tree and I was like, dude, enough with the Stephen King books. Like I get the humor, but like I don't think he was being funny and I feel like it was the sex with the corpse for me. It wasn't just like I want the corpse. It was like I'm going to do this. I was like, no. Okay. Yeah. Oh my so, god. It's giving me really, really big red flags. That is disgusting. <laughs> enough
0: <laughs> and sick on so many levels. Enough said. Enough said. There.
1: Um, so one of the things that I was sort of curious about because um, so we watched Real Housewives of Orange County too, and one of the things they talked about, you know, someone is accusing someone else of being a narcissist, and Andy sort of, you know, self-proclaimed that he's a narcissist, and maybe everyone that's on reality TV is. Give us a little bit of a definition of a narcissist, the clinical definition and tell us sort of your thoughts about narcissists and do they find their way to reality TV easier because it's part of the self glorification. Um,
2: Narcissists get, it's kind of a misnomer sometimes with people because they think that this is about selfies and looking at themselves and, you know, loving themselves. And while that's true, um, All of us sort of would want to protect our egos and have we all have narcissistic traits Mm -hmm. that is very different from the deviant behavior of somebody who seeks to manipulate and control you so i hate the word narcissist because it should actually be psychopath one two and three um so it shouldn't be because you hear narcissist it sounds almost sexy Um, And they have actually changed the word sociopath and DSM five to be antisocial, which sounds like what they're not social. So there's, there's like these words that aren't really delivering enough of an impact. Narcissist is one of them. And so this is somebody who love bombs, triangulates, manipulates, controls, future fakes, all as a means to break you down and control you so as to, get that coveted supply from you, sort of like have you pay attention to them all the time. The gaslighting circular conversations really are, um, if you know anything about a cult, you know everything you need to know about a narcissist and vice versa. So what ends up happening is you end up in this like sort of stupor. I think of like the cartoons when the little eyes are like circles, you're kind of in mind control. So Andy probably, I don't know if he does that to people, but I don't know if he also understands that this isn't about, you know, loving yourself in front of the camera.
1: Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, and, you know, a lot of people think Teresa's a narcissist too. That's something that's always like thrown around. I mean, alleging, let's, let's suppose she is. What happens when two narcissists get together?
2: I don't think that they get supply as much. I think they probably get it from the fans um, or even from the haters. Actually, they'll get supply that way. Um, But I don't know that they get it from each other because you would need to feed off of some somebody who you're sort of um, love bombing. So the two people love bombing each other. It doesn't feel like they're going to have conflict. I don't think that that works other than they sort of walk the same path and get it from other people. Um, Right.
1: Do you feel like um, men and women express their narcissism in different ways and in different directions
2: not I mean, generally i guess
1: in in what i'm asking maybe is do you feel like it's as often going to be the case that a man is exhibiting narcissistic and abusive behaviors to um his woman spouse as opposed to a woman to her male spouse
2: There are definitely more narcissistic men. However, I think women, I'm sorry, men who are victims under report um, because they're sort of like, you know, ashamed. Also, you know, I have a lot of children of narcissistic mothers. And when I ask them, like, what does dad do? They're always like, well, he just enables her. He placates. She's very quiet. So I don't know that they report as much.
0: Can Um, you, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I was curious, what is a, A narcissistic mother, can you elaborate a little maybe into how they communicate with their children or what in particular? Because I can imagine for a child to grow up with that and then as an adult maybe come to the realization and then do you look back and think, oh my God, my whole childhood was my mom wasn't taken care of, you know, mentally. So, you know, there was something wrong with her or we could have helped her or like could the kids blame
2: themselves? Yeah, that is the worst scenario that I have in my practice is the children of the narcissist, because it's like finding out there's no Santa Claus. Mom doesn't really experience love. And, you know, the primary caregiver is supposed to care about your children. So it's a really bitter pill um, to kind of learn that that is something that they don't generally have in terms of their modus operandi. It's not really the same operating mode. Um, the narcissistic mother will generally, um, groom the daughters to be like an extension of themselves, like, you know, kind of like John Benet Ramsey and stuff like this. So there's always like almost like a pageant mom where it's like, you're an extension of me. You should do this. You should look, it's all about optics. You need to behave this way. They tend to future fake a lot. So they'll sort of dangle the carrot of college or I'll pay for this. I'll pay for this. I'll pay for this. You have to do this. Everything is transactional contingencies. So um, they tend to be uh, sort of steal your story. So if you are, you know, doing well or something, they will kind of say like, it's because of me. See, this is, you know, you are an extension of me and, you know, you're going to do this and it's because of me. I am to thank for everything everything is them, so you sort of feel unheard, unseen, Um, and then you know walking on eggshells and never really developing a sense of self which is the worst part of this right so when i fell into the situation that i fell into i had a strong fucking sense of self before that that i could go back and find when you go into this as a child you know like when they come to me it's like ooh, i gotta get you to figure out who you even are i mean it's such an undertaking it's also a beautiful experience because it's like what's better than studying yourself and go ahead and like you know let's Let's figure out what you like and let's, you know, talk about options. But that's really the most tragic thing is sort of the, the, the child of a narcissist. That is so sad. I mean, is it, it's not genetic, right? It's not like an actual chemical. Is it a chemical thing? I kind of have a theory that it is. I think it is genetic. It's a theory I have. I have no data whatsoever, but a lot of people are studying a lot of different things as it relates to. NPD. Um, and one of the things is intergenerational trauma. So there's a lot of studies around um, trauma sort of, you know, getting passed on. Oh my gosh. Oh I man. mean, every I feel like if everything from alcoholism
0: to glaucoma to, you know, I mean, everything is, I would be surprised if it wasn't. Yeah. Is there a lot of research dedicated
2: to that? There were a couple of clubhouse rooms that I went into where there were all MDs in there and they were just very green and like talking about it. And it was like, it seemed to be um, up and coming in a lot of ways. I think ideally we would be able to at least do brain scans for our world leaders for empathy because ground zero for the narcissist is no empathy. That is the biggest issue that we have. And I just feel like as a species we can't exist without empathy. So I think that is scary. We see that, you know, with a lot of world leaders where they kind of get into a position of power and they create chaos. Um, And so that would be something ultimately that would be at least sort of stop the bleeding because you're seeing like what happens when a narcissist, um, even in our own country, gets into a position of power and how... Um, The fallout from that can be we were, I think, on the precipice of a dictatorship um, recently, and that was one of the scariest things. And you're still seeing like the ripple effects of a lot of um, what transpired. But it's particularly dangerous because they don't have empathy and they will climb the ladder at the sake of at the expense of anyone. And as a matter of fact, I think it's one out of four CEOs is a psychopath directly. So we have to. sort of. No shit. (laughs) You have to really think about like how they're like all sort of around you and how to navigate it. And and that's sort of my mission is to kind of get people to understand what this is so they can protect their daughters, they can protect their children, they can protect themselves, um, their sons um, from this kind of um, insidious um, form of domestic violence. Okay. So I have a question because we haven't touched too
0: much on the cult stuff because I know that's where you kind of started, right? So... Did you watch the Leah Remini special about Scientology Mm -hmm. that she did? Mm -hmm. That was really intense. What did you what did you think about that? Would you ever, if they reached out and said, would you come and work with us and kind of, would you ever be
2: open to doing something like that? Sure. I love um, my, like I mentioned, my son is 23. So this work that I do now is like my baby. So I'm writing a book and I'm working on all kinds of cool projects with Mark Vincente from the Nexium cult. He's doing a documentary where he sort of fuses the concepts of cult recovery and narcissistic abuse, which really is really important for people to understand that like, this, my experience was being in a cult of one, you know what I mean? It's the same thing. So it's sort of giving you an idea of mind control at the end of the day. Wow.
1: Yeah, one one of the the specials I really liked watching on HBO Max was um, about uh, Gwen Shamblin. Have you seen that or heard about the way down and the, the
2: yes, uh, yes, yes, yes? That,
1: yes. that is such a, a wild story. And so, do you feel like it's oftentimes that like narcissists find themselves in positions where they're like comparing themselves to, like godlike figures?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Kanye was calling him Jesus for a long time, right? yeah calling himself Jesus. Um yeah, we see this a lot. Um, there is some kind of fantastical chosen one um, bullshit. and certainly if they have enough people feeding into this, right that's like super scary if they can get well insulated and get enough people to buy into their bullshit, it's all a con job. Um, the whole thing is a con job. It's you know people that are master manipulators kind of. Um, getting off on seeing how they can control other people. Um, it's, it's really, really awful though. I sh- like from my perspective and my clients end up, you know, in the judicial system with people like this um, for many years, custody scenarios, um, you know, their children being taken away. Um, and it's, you know, a, a lot of the women um, that I know personally, were in the relationship with the same person I was and we're all very close and um, the damage that was done um, with their children um, was particularly painful um, to have you know to having known all of their children and so you can imagine that it's it has a, a big impact on a lot of people in a lot of different ways.
1: yeah it's just sort of connecting back to that how does it sort of feel? with this individual that um, you were previously engaged to that you're now attached to a reality show that you used to just watch on TV?
2: I don't know, some days it feels like I'm living in like in a telenovela or something. Like what's gonna happen now? Like what the hell is this? You know, it's very peculiar. To Are sort you of- seeing a lot
1: of the similar signs that you saw yourself or is that not starting? Some, So it's sort of emerging a little bit already, okay. Patterns. Yeah.
2: Yeah, there there um there's not a lot of data that they change. We have very little data that people like this change. There are some outliers, um, but those outliers generally would find themselves like in an inpatient scenario, working really hard towards empathy, developing empathy. So um not really good prognosis for this. Actually, Freud famously walked away from treating narcissists and so psychopath because um, he was frustrated that they don't have insight. They don't really want to change.
0: So here's my question. How did you find out that your ex was engaged to a housewife or the relationship, actually not engaged, but how did you find out that your ex was involved with a Bravo Liberty? And how did that come about? Just somebody like, girl, you're never going to believe what I just heard.
2: I was actually (laughs) on the phone with, um, one of his exes. And I was telling her, I was saying, you're not going to believe this. He's dating somebody named Vanessa. And she was like, no, he's not, not anymore. (laughs) And it was like, I remember I had my girlfriend over at my brother and I was laughing so hard. I was like, and anyone who sort of knows, The two, you know, the two of them now is kind of like, wow, that's a really an interesting match. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I was on the phone actually with um, his ex-wife. I was on the phone with her and she's the one who told me. Um, She kind of has been watching a lot of this stuff, you know, from the sidelines. Um, And she's a very, very lovely, gracious, wonderful woman who um, I consider a friend. She's lovely. She's been through a lot. I think it's great
0: that you ladies were able to rally around each other and kind of be a, you know, a support system because ultimately you guys were lucky enough to come out on the other side. Right. And, and, and are doing well and are thriving and you're now helping others who have been down the path that, that you were at. I'm sure it's gotta be hard though to see some of the red flags or the same patterns while you're watching it. Do you feel triggered
2: watching it at all? Sometimes because it's like, you're watching like, almost like a soul rapist or something kind of do the same thing. So that is sometimes unfortunate. You you wish that, it, you know, it didn't have to be that way, that there were, that wasn't going to happen again. Um, so it's, un, it's, it's very, very unfortunate in a lot of ways. So you just worry. Um, yeah, I,
1: I can definitely see that. Um, so I also was going to ask, um, like what were some of the red flags like early on that you ignored? Were you just getting love bombed so much at one point that you weren't seeing things at first?
2: Yeah, I was, I was not seeing a lot of things. I wasn't seeing, um, when I would ride my bike, I would ride my bike on Saturdays and he wanted me to go to breakfast. And it was um, one of those things where I just did it, but I kind of lost myself. Um, in the process. So that was really one of the red flags. Um, There was a lot of fast moving, you know, kind of long text messages that I was getting. Um, That was really something that was seemed a little fast and furious. Um, So, you know, those things at the time, I didn't know what they were. As a matter of fact, when I got out of the relationship, when I left, I learned about it on TikTok. (laughs) They didn't teach me this at USC, Um, so I was on TikTok and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" It's like I went through a portal, (laughs) and I was like, "Oh my god!" And no, you know, because you go to like social work school and you just learn, like, "By golly, I'm gonna help everyone, and everybody can get rehabilitated." Let's go! And then you're like, "No, the devil is walking the earth." Holy shit! So it was a big like big wake up call, but yeah, it originally, it was all of the sort of like stereotypical things that I now understand to be, um,
1: do you think that in her love bubble, do you think that Teresa is still being love bombed so much that she's not seeing any of the red flags yet?
2: Um, I don't think so. I think she probably is seeing things. Um, but I don't, I think that I don't think that she really, um, has the capacity to think outside of that too much unfortunately um
0: is it one of those things like if you're you she just cannot fathom that it would actually be true because it's just so horrific <laughs> like that can't be real life
2: that coupled with the fact that kind of watching her over the years and knowing that she sort of existed in a very very hyper patriarchal experience that there are very few things that are going to move her from that position um it's just almost in her fiber at this point to just support you know whomever she's with really and so i think that's going to be to her detriment
1: i i can definitely see that because you know when she was with joe it just felt like oh of course like joe's got the final word on everything because he's the man of the house
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: you always got that sense. So maybe that's sort of how it's going now. It's, it's sort of interesting, though, because when you watch back, like, the reunion, no one really tells, has, like, told Teresa, like, you need to chill out. You didn't do this right. Your behavior's wrong. But this individual actually was. I was sort of surprised that she was putting up with that, honestly.
2: Yeah, I think that, um, I think probably um, in that moment, she may have felt betrayed.
1: Yeah. Um, what did you think about um, the reunion performance of mm-hmm. your ex? Because I, I feel like a lot of people sort of, you know, the general public, maybe not everyone, but a lot of people are acting like they feel differently about him now.
2: Um, you I guess- know, I'll just say this, I'm going to, because we're walking a line here. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say poets, priests, and politicians famously will kiss babies and then behind closed doors act a different way. So um, as we first started talking about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, like we just don't know what goes on behind closed doors. Um, and we know that when we're witnessing um, people that are rather philanthropic and sort of, you know, wrapping in a pretty little bow and all of this, that to me is the scariest thing, like toxic positivity. I would prefer Teresa Judice being a cunt right to my face, quite honestly, <laughs> than some of the stuff that, you know, I feel is so, um like is such bullshit like i would prefer the donald trump the more overt version of this than somebody who is sort of giving you a hug and stabbing you in the back so that kind of stuff that's part of like my work is to sort of highlight that you know like that kind of stuff um is not generally authentic and to be very very careful around people like that
0: and there's different types of narcissists they there that, like you said, the trumps in your face and then the ones that, you know, kiss the babies and then smack the puppy once they're at home, you know, mm-hmm. um, your did you, I, did, was your son heavily involved in the dynamics of your relationship during that time? Was he like, how, so what, well, he was a teenager then mid teenager, right? Counting back. He
2: actually was in college. So oh. he was at university of Buffalo. So thankfully he was kind of insulated from, a lot of the drama. Um, There were things though that were definitely witnessed in terms of like, um, when I got left in Cape Cod, I was calling my son and he was um, uh, kind of trying to guide me and um, was being gaslit also, which was like kind of where I drew the line. I was like, motherfucker, you don't, uh, like that was where I was like, ooh, Um, You know, I have one kid. I had him when I was seven, as I mentioned. So we're a little close. Um, But yeah, that was, you know, he wasn't as exposed to it, thank
0: God, because he was at college. Oh, that's so good. Because I was curious was he like, Mom, I'm so glad
2: that you're out of this now? Like, oh, yeah. 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 I mean, the things that I've gone through afterwards, like, my son's like, Can I just go over there and kick his ass? ass. That was my next question. Did you have to refrain, pull him back? Like, let me know if you get. We're yeah. his ass right now. I know. <laughs> and I have two big Irish brothers that are like, put me in coach, but we're not doing that. So, um, yeah.
1: yeah. You've yeah. mentioned gaslighting a couple of times, and that's also something that we're hearing more about on reality TV. I feel like it's actually becoming a little bit more of a buzzy word these mm-hmm. days. Can you tell us a little bit about gaslighting and also how narcissists use that to their advantage?
2: Yeah, this is so important. So, like, the, right. the term comes from in days of yore, there was this guy and, you know, back then they would light their homes by a gaslight. So he would turn up the light and then tell his wife, as she was saying, it's very light in here. And he would say, no, it's not light in here. And then he would turn it very dark. And she'd say, it's dark in here. And he'd say, no, it's not. What, are you losing your mind? And over time, he would start to sort of go to the townspeople and say, you know, my wife is losing her mind, ultimately got her committed. And that's where the term comes from. So Gaslighting um, is, of course, if someone tells you, you know, something and makes you second guess your reality. Um, But also gaslighting is like these crazy circular conversations. So anytime you're in a conversation with someone and you ask them a question, they sort of sidestep, um, you know, and kind of change the subject. I will often say, like, you know, if I'm on Houston Street downtown and you take me on avenues A, B, C, and D, I'm already, you know, I'm already getting red flags kicked up from that. So in other words, anytime someone like makes you question your reality at any point, even if it's like, you know, you're finding yourself confused. I remember at one point I was like stuttering. And I'm I'm definitely an articulate smart woman. And I was literally like, like I couldn't. I was misfiring and actually a lot of my clients when they come to me have almost like a like a like a brain damage they'll come in and they'll sort of stutter and they'll have a hard time kind of you know like orating what they're you know experiencing it's kind of it sounds kind of broken and stuff like this so um that's gaslighting gaslighting is anytime you second guess yourself and it can make you really confused um and question it took me it took me a couple of years to believe some of the things that I knew to be actually true. I was still kind of washing through a lot of the thoughts.
0: When you're in that type of situation, do you, does, so I've learned a little bit about what is it? The reptilian brain is what they say, like the fight or flight type thing. Do you find, does that happen when you're in those situations? Does that still kick Mm -hmm. in or do you, or you just
2: stay and you shut down type of thing? Mm -hmm. Everybody responds to trauma differently. So, you know, fight or flight is, is, are usually the two go-to experiences. So you may want to, um, lash out. Um, one of the things that narcissists do, and this is really, really important is they will sort of whisper in your ear something or, and we see that, right? The whispering in the ear. If they do that, they're kind of going, they're trying to elicit a reaction from you. Um, and that's called reactive abuse. So they'll push your buttons, push your buttons quietly, quietly in a crowd. And then when you react, kind of sit back and be like, look, look, look at her, look at her, look at her, or look at him. Um, so um, that kind of response is something you can expect from somebody like this. Um, but yes, yeah, certainly it over time, you will develop potentially um, trauma and then um, even be more reactive, possibly.
0: Oh my God, that's you know what? That's so crazy because I didn't recognize that until the whispering in the ear, until you just said it, and then if you just saw my face, like the light bulb went off. I was like, Oh my gosh, yes! And I would have never even thought about that, but that—that's so almost obvious. It's hard to see type thing. Like when you say it, and I'm like, Oh, doll, that makes sense. But I, it's they don't you're not seeing it in the moment
2: there were times where I would react. I remember being like, what the fuck is it? You know, like this. Right. And then everyone looking at me and I was like, oh my God. And you know, I have clients where um, the, I have a client, he's actually in London and his brother, I think is probably a sociopath. Obviously I can't diagnose him, but he um, will hack into his brother's uh, iCloud, listen to his music, and then sing the songs throughout the house um, just to get in his head, just to get in his head, this sort of insidious, and then when he reports this to his other family members, they sort of accuse him of being, like, schizophrenic and having, you know, paranoid delusions, and it this is part of that whole, like, am I crazy? It makes you sort of second guess, um, you know, truths. It's all to manipulate, break you down, and then control you.
0: Wow. That's, that's insane.
2: Um, okay.
0: So here's one question for you. I, I learned who I learned who you were just by seeing you on social media and learning about you running in the wedding dress across New York. What was the wedding dress thing about? Well, you're like, this is just fun. I'm going to do this. This is going to get something cute for me to wear and get some attention (laughs) in the, in the process.
2: Well, really the wedding dress is something, um, that, the narcissist generally future fakes with. So they exploit this experience and dangle that carrot, which is this fantasy of the wedding, um, the fantasy of the home, the fantasy of the family. So this was just a symbol, a representation of something that they dangle. Gotcha. Okay. one, I, I, I know I'm like kind of hogging
0: the, the few questions here, but I'm just, have has being a part of the Bravo universe now in some way, shape, or form, affected your practice in any way, either in a positive, negative? Has it changed the way maybe you approach things, or has it had?
2: No. Yeah, no, no, um, no changes that I can detect. The run definitely got me a lot of attention, and I think was very, very validating for a lot of people because. For me, because I don't have children with that person, I just felt it was my um, duty to speak out um, for those silent victims. So there are a lot of people that cannot express what they're going through because they are shackled to this person via the judicial system um, and will be really, really tortured. So I can't. I can't not do this work. It's like, I kind of feel like, I mean, at one point my son was like, why don't you stop then? Cause I, I've been going through a lot of um, judicial um, issues myself. And I was like, I can't, Anthony, I can't stop. I have to, what am I supposed to do? I have to do this work. But, um, you know, I, I think the run really kind of gave me a little like wind behind the sails.
0: Well, I mean, and, and what you're doing obviously within your practice, but then utilizing this platform just to kind of raise awareness and and get the word out there and taking interviews with you know people like us and probably you know a plethora of other but others but you're you're bringing so much awareness to people out there and i mean this is such a fun conversation super informative but i feel like it was i mean this is super important stuff people need to know you know, who you're surrounding yourself with, things to be aware of, like you said, things to teach your children. You know, I'm, I'm almost 40 years old. And I, this is all new stuff for me, too. You know, so I'm definitely
1: I can imagine it's a little bit rewarding, knowing that there might be at least one listener out there that is hearing this and realizing, you know, I think I might be in this situation, and I should find my way out of it. How do you usually like, what would you what advice would you give to someone that does find themselves in this situation?
2: Yeah. So I remember, um, talking to my therapist at the time and she told me to get an emergency bag together. So, you know, the Lululemon's toothbrush, stuff like this, get it, put it in your car, put it in a friend's house, put it in your neighbor's. Um, I remember hiding my baby pictures because my son is so old since I had him when I was seven mm-hmm. and all of his pictures are actually physical, you know, photographs. And so there were crates of them in the house and I started sort of tucking them away. Cause I just I had this little whisper, like, you know, you better hide your shit, bitch. <laughs> and so, you know, I would say even get like uh, a storage unit and just start putting things there, hide financials, documents, passports, taxes, um bank accounts anything that's hackable be very careful because they tend to be very vindictive the most dangerous part of the relationship is the post separation the most dangerous part of the relationship is the post separation this is where women get killed um this is the part where a narcissist rages um and this is the scariest version of them is when the mask falls off And um, we don't know what they're capable of. And certainly if there's an overlap with sociopathy, then you could be um, in, you know, danger. So you want to kind of be um, a little bit, you know, forward thinking. So protect yourself and all of your prized belongings, uh, private information. um, Just kind of listen to that whispering voice that's telling you what to protect, how to protect it, um, and do that. That's great
1: advice.
0: Yes, great advice. Well, okay, so I want to ask you one last thing. So teletherapist, I'm sure that, can you tell everybody a little bit about teletherapist? Because I'm sure your business is probably even more so blooming now that we're in the middle of a pandemic and folks are at home.
2: Yeah, so um, everything is telehealth. I do see clients in person, um, but I think they find it more of an inconvenience, quite honestly, now. Um, There are a few people that just feel that connection is important and that's honored. But I would say the vast majority of people find that commuting um, isn't really serving them too much of a purpose these days. Um, I find that young people want that connection, believe it or not, which sounds really counterintuitive because they sort of grew up in this in this world. They seem to want I think they're sick of it. I think young people don't want to stare at screens anymore. They want to take the screen and throw it in the lake. I think they're actually so overexposed to the screens that they just are thriving for like a hug and like a conversation in real, um, relationships. Which is good news. I'm hoping the next generation will actually, you know, turn some shit around, turn this this boat around. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I do. I practice um, in uh, Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey. I just moved down here after selling my house in New York after 21 years, Ooh, and I'm exactly. really happy. Yeah, so it's it's been great. Um, but everything is you know is mostly telehealth. Okay,
0: great. Well, um, can you tell everybody where they can get you for
2: the telehealth? Do you have a website? Sure. So therapist.net. that's T-E-L-L. Um, I do have a nonprofit, therapist.org where we will connect you to a narc-savvy clinician in your respective state. So if you're in a different state and you need support, you can um, go there. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Vanessa Riser LCSW. Um, and that's it. All right. Well, Vanessa, All thank right. you so much for joining
0: us today. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah. And guys, just a reminder, you can find me and Ariel on Instagram at Bravo Critics, at that Bravo Gay and at Bravo NT. And until next time, guys, cheers. Cheers.
0: Cheers. Thank you guys again for joining us. We took away so much from this episode. Not only did we gain insight into tons of Bravo related topics, but information that is so relevant and so important to us all and can ultimately save lives. We'd like to thank Vanessa Reiser again for taking the time to chat with us. For more information or to find support in your state, please visit teletherapist.org. That's T-E-L-L-A-therapist.org. In addition, the National Domestic Violence Hotline is available at one 800 799 7233 or text START to 88788. That's start start to 88788. Please remember, you're not alone. Thanks again, everybody.